Hello, uh, my name is Becca Begno, and this is a Le Cado podcast. And today, my guest is uh, Tanya Pavlik, who is uh, a recent resident of Karen Crow from Maine. Whoa, from that's Maine. way up to way down. So, welcome and thank you for saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. So, Le Cado is. Uh, is the name of a CD I did way back in 95. And it was a way for me to share about healing in my culture. Uh, and and so I took the name, Le Cadeau means the gift. So this is about the gift of healing. And it's an inclusive thing. It's not just in my culture. So how how did you begin or what what brought you on your own path of healing to the place where you now do work with other people and teach. How'd you get there? Or maybe I should just say how you got from Maine to Karen Crow. <laughs> it's a long story. We don't have long enough. Wait, you want to just start? I well, it, it started with my own injury, my own physical yeah. injury. Yeah. Um, I did uh, hair for a really long time, but I was, I was 24 and, and had major tendonitis in both arms, up my shoulders and into my back. And I was taken out of work for three and a half months. Wow. And um, at 24? At 24 years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible amount of pain. And uh, the doctors told me that there was no cure. There's no cure mm -hmm. for tendonitis and that I should give up my career and find something else to do. And um, I decided, I said, you know, I said yes, but I decided that I wasn't gonna give up. And I decided that I was gonna heal because I loved what I did. Um, so I did the Western medicine model because I had to, because it was a worker's comp injury. But I also had clients at the time that did polarity therapy, massage therapy, um, and so I started doing that. So you integrated. It's what we call integrative medicine today. Mm -hmm. You did the mm -hmm. Western and you did whatever healing modalities were available. Wow. Right, and I healed completely. But then I also had to leave my job because my job really wasn't working for me. There were a lot of lessons in that. Right. And then I became self-employed. And, and then from there, with my own healing I came across people in my life that had said to me, oh, you know, you're, you're, a lot of people that do hair are really natural healers anyways. Of course. You're, you're working around the body, the head, you're working the, from you're a psychological a, point of view. Therapist is what, yeah, right, exactly. right. As, as well as the outer, the inner and the outer. Right. And so from there, I um, started taking Reiki classes. You know, I started doing Reiki. Started. I went to school for polarity therapy. Um, I've done some IET, and the people that I took my my uh, Reiki classes from were also shamans. So I started doing shamanic techniques as well, and one thing led to another. And right here I wow. am. Welcome. Okay, so how did you um, get connected to the Louisiana scene? from Maine 
what 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 was that magnet? How did that draw happen? How did you actually pull up stake in Maine and move to Karen Crow? I first came here about 17 years ago, and I came with um, my son's or my ex-husband's family is French-Canadian. And my sister-in-law at the time had um, been introduced to the Basin Brothers. Oh, my God. You know, because the that Basin would be Brothers, Al Bayroard. right, loved, Hello, loved to play in Maine. <laughs> yeah. They loved to come to Maine. <laughs> and so they played at the Biddeford City Theater many, many, many years ago, and my mm ex-sister-in-law at the time went to see them and sh and she related how much the the Cajun music and the Acadian music from where she came from and in Canada were related because they are right right so then she found out about little festivals so we started going to festivals in Rhode Island and Massachusetts and then um, made the Louisiana link and the first time I ever came here and laid my feet, you know, stepped on the ground here, I cried because I felt like I was home. I just and, felt And you knew that home. this was a special place for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And every time I'd come, I'd cry, and every time I left, I'd cry. <laughs> and it took me 17 years and my son growing up and a lot of other things in between, which we've talked right. about, Right. for me, for the door to finally open for me to be here. Wow. Well, the CD, Le Cadeau, was... Um, the song part of it was recorded at Dockside. And then Tony Daigle, who was the recording technician, I don't know if that's the correct word, but everybody here knows Tony Daigle. Tony says, go to Al's and record your... Um, I had written some interlude, some words to put the songs together because they didn't make sense. They were so different and he said just go to Al's and I went over there and I recorded my songs and so in the CD Le Cadeau all the interlude music is Al Bayroard who himself some kind of way knew that he was a healer but I, but one time he said because he because he loved and because he cared and I don't know how you know but you know so he said one time you know, you know, or oh, you know, Al. I, you know, you know. <laughs> well, you know, well, you know. I think I'm a healer too. Well, yeah. Now, 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 how you, how you, what do you say when somebody tells you that? Except yes, okay. And so there's something about Al and I having been put together to do that because Tony said, in a very like, it was not, it wasn't just a. A possibility or a probability it just was a coming together and so I think it's amazing that of all the groups that 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 it was the Basin Brothers who brought you here and it was Al who played on my CD I'm just saying that in the biggest way he was the biggest contributor out of the kindness of his heart he just did that he didn't charge me for his studio space I had to pay Dockside, that was okay, but he just did because cause we just help each other. And that's the community you came to join. Right. In a way, Al called you home <laughs> <laughs> after he got called home, but right. wow. But a lot of people think that to be 
if you want to say healer, I don't always love that word because as you know, we're just the, it's a word. We're just the facilitator or the conduit for, for, for God to work through us. Right. But, um, that we're all that. Exactly. We're all healers. We're, you know, and if we walk our path and in our truth and be, be authentic to ourself, to who we really are, then we're all healers. Exactly. And you and I who do the work and, and maybe known as healers, we don't do anything anybody else can't do. And Al recognized, although he didn't have to own it in the same way we own it, he was. And all of us are. And so I think in some ways, bringing up Al is a call for us to invite everybody to look at the healership that they bring to, to the table. To the table, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and how can they be, you know, quote unquote, as a verb? Right. How can they be that every day in their life? Right. And, you know, why did you become a healer? Because you were hurt. I really got into this because I had cancer. Okay. <laughs> it's like. Right. And so as I continued to still live, because I didn't die from cancer, but I could have, but I didn't. So then my biggest responsibility is to keep my own act together, to keep doing my own healing, to grow in whatever way I'm called. And that's not always easy. Not at all. I know it's not so much helping others. It, the ability to help others comes after you get rid of your own issues or you, like, I remember one time we learned that your your issues show in your tissues. They become physical. They become physical. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get it while it's still an issue, you don't have to have more in your tissues. <laughs> That's the so truth. So it's, it's a healthy thing to, um, for me as someone who works with other people to help myself first. It's kind of really how it has to be. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is the truth. And that so... How does music heal you? Because like Al knows, and you came here for music, and I do music, and I know that music is healing, so how would you address music as healing? Well, I can, adri- <laughs> I can address it through the, the first festival uh, that I ever went to. In, in Maine in or over Connecticut. Here? In Connecticut. In okay. Connecticut. Um, I had cried myself to sleep that night because I was in so much pain. And, of course, I didn't know how to Zydeco. I didn't know, how to, I didn't know anything about it. It was my first, first time ever. So I went to this festival, had a great time. Lots of people brought me up, t- were, were teaching me how to dance. By the end of the weekend, I was 100% pain-free. Wow. And I was pain-free for a week. Wow. Okay, so what I'm hearing... Is that you just danced yourself into health? I did, and I, but I also think that it was the frequency. If you would, yeah, it's yeah. the frequency. It's the it's the harmonic harmonics. It's the vibration. It's and it's maybe just pure joy. Exactly. But what else I heard is a, like it's a conflict, but not really a conflict. So you were drawn to the Basin Brothers, but you really love Zydeco music because you say you Zydeco dance. You don't say you Cajun dance, nope. but I'm sure you do. But I mean, it was a Cajun band who brought you to the music scene, and now you Zydeco, right? And that's not that's not a conflict. It's just what it is. And then, but then, it grew up on Motown. 
Exactly. I grew up on Motown and soul music. Because it's all and about soul. R&B. And, and it's soul. It's all know? soul music because it it's the music of the heart of each culture. Mm-hmm. Cajun music is a soul version of it's soul music for those people. Like, I'm just way cool. But, but what I was going to say is when you said vibration, one of the things I'm learning, although I'm not a quantum physicist, but through quantum physics and the science that backs us up, I guess nobody's going to argue with me about that, is vibration. Mm-hmm. So what I do as a healer is called vibrational medicine. Can you speak to that? Yes. Please. You want me to want me to define what I think that it is? Yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I, just say something. I, I, don't, I don't care what you say. I mean, I, I, the way that I can try <laughs> to the best of my you ability. You're not a right? quantum physicist no. either. <laughs> not in this lifetime, anyways. <laughs> um, is that we all we, we all run on frequency? We're matter, you know. So we have density to us, and we all run on on a vibration and a frequency. And I'm not saying anybody is higher or or lesser, but sometimes when when people are running a lot of pain in their bodies, um, there's more there's more density there. Exactly. You know, and and what the thing about energy medicine that we do is that we can facilitate the removal. Of what we what people have carried that don't need to carry anymore, exactly. Like you said, and then it removes the weight, right? And your vibration can increase. So, I don't know if I explained that well enough, but yeah, if you explained it as you can, and I got it. I understand what you're saying, and I'm only hoping that other people can also understand. The thing about vibrational medicine is that it's not really a catch-all. But it's a broad, broad term. So what is vibration? And what affects vibration? Sound. So we have bells in church, and we have music in churches. And so this whole vibrational thing is not, like, new. What, what is vibrational has been here for a long, long time, and it's ancient. And those ancient ways of bringing up vibration still exist. So it's not about turning you back on what you used to do, but just look for this. Color is vibrational. So if you're in a church that has stained glass windows, all of those colors carry a vibration that can help you. And I used to have a a set of candles that were every color of the rainbow. And, and, and when I understood that there was one particular area or chakra that needed more of a certain color, I'd light that candle for the person to increase that color in the room. And I'm working with an artist friend of mine to create scarves for that, like silk scarves mm-hmm. in the rainbow colors. So that's, that's there's, there's, there's music, there's vocals or vibrational. Sound healing. Sound healing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's healing through sound and and then music brings another vibration because it brings a Music is separate from sound because music brings the emotion of the person with it, and sound is just a sound, like tuning forks and that sound and and color. And then our own bodies emit a vibration. That's correct. And then 
plants help our vibration. Like I know that the rose is the highest vibrational level of plants. So I get this rose water that you use for cooking. And it's the cheapest way that I can bring rose to my body with the intention of having a higher vibration. Just and that's all heart frequency. That's exactly. all love frequency. Yeah. Exactly. So this whole vibrational thing is... So we're we're now bringing music into ORs and 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 allowing these things from the ancient to to meet in in modern medicine and integrate with energy work is just way cool when you see it happening just like really way cool it's really cool yeah it is and i would love to see <clears throat> around here that start to happen more mhm within facilities i mean in, in maine and boston you know reiki is IET, you know, really facilitated, really brought into Say ORs what IET and is. oncology and right. things like that. Express, explain IET. IET. I, I haven't done a whole lot of a lot of work with that, but it's 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 angelic. Okay, it's working with angels. You've done it, haven't you? Yeah. But I, but I'm I'm wanting somebody else to say what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help you with that. That's good. That's good. Because because it's hard to it's it's hard to educate. Because what is the difference between Reiki and healing touch and trauma first aid and IET and you know all of these modalities? What's the difference? I might have people angry with me, but I don't think there is any difference. I don't either. I think it's just the name that makes it different. Right. So then people come to you and they want a specific, and you're like, well, I can't I, do that. <laughs> no, because you're not subdivided. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I think it's just labels that people you know, people have given these different modalities. And, and maybe within the different modalities, there's, okay, a different technique. Right? right. But do you, do you achieve the same outcome? I mean, the outcome really is to move the energy or the chi in the body right. for wellness. Because right. blocked energy or blocked chi creates disease or disease pattern right. within the body, right? So whether it is Reiki or IET or shamanic work or toning or crystals or praying. Praying you is do, one. Oh, right? exactly. Yeah. The, 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 the goal is to move the blockage. Exactly. The blockage is removed. You restore whole health. Right. So when you, when you begin, what was the first thing you learned, the first class you took? Reiki. So, was, so, so, so with me. Okay. And a Catholic nun told me I should do this when I was in the hospital at a Catholic hospital. Okay. So... so because it's what she knew then, and now mm -hmm. there's like so much more has come. So in the that was in 1989. So since 1989 until today, there's a lot of things that have opened and come about. And the place of the work that I do and the work that I offer, the place of where I offer it has increased. The reality of what I do has increased because everything I learned, I kept adding to what I did. Okay, mm -hmm. so I learned Reiki, and then in my own mind, 
I couldn't say any prayers when I was doing Reiki because Reiki came from the Buddhist tradition, and I'm Catholic, so I would just do it in a very holy and respectful way. And then one day I'm like, well, wait. If I grew up with certain prayers, why can't I just say them? So it took me a while, <laughs> you know, because I'm a Cajun Catholic woman. Right. And whatever I do, I bring my Cajun Catholic self to that. So I ha I'm this Cajun Catholic woman practicing Reiki. Then healing touch came to me. And I learned that with nurses. So I was a Cajun Catholic woman who knew about Reiki, who was now working with medical professionals. And I'm like, oh, people are gonna, they're going to really think I'm legit now. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what they think. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm learning this with some nurses. And so when I tell people I train with nurses, they're going to really think I'm something. And mm. the reality was some nurses like training with me because then they thought people would really think they were healers. And it was kind of like we were supporting each other. But it's hard to just define all this. I think if you try to And define, we don't have to. Right. Then you're, then trying. You're, you're limiting. Exactly. You're, you're limiting possibilities by putting it in a box. And people ask, well, do you do Reiki? Well, yeah. Well, that's what I want. Well, how do I not do everything else? If you I do just Reiki, say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you lie. <laughs> no, like good you just say, Cajun okay. <laughs> can't lie. But the, the, it, it's true. You can't say because you've outgrown that box. Mm -hmm. You've outgrown that school. It's because like, I think people come to us for a reason. Exactly. They might say, hey, I want Reiki or I'd love to see you for Reiki. But are they really saying that? Or are they really saying, I'd like to see you because I resonate with you? Exactly. That's really what they're saying. And if, and if you don't, you can resonate with somebody else. I'm not here to serve everybody. I'm here to serve the people that come to me. And that's okay. That's enough. I mean, that's how I feel. I agree. Because there's somebody out there for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I'm really glad you came today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I met you the last time, most recently. Well, the first time I met you was on the street for a festival. Mm-hmm. We had probably seen each Lori. other. We had probably seen each other dancing and stuff before, but mm -hmm. through Lori Henderson, who right. is also a, um, a phenomenal, phenomenal woman, healer, healer, Medicine everything, woman, yes. person, human being. Okay. And then Who I, was, I knew from the Northeast. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I only knew her from here. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. And then we met at... In, in, I uh, saw you at the Feed and Seed one night. Yeah, that was fun. We visited on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. We were dancing. That was fun. And then most recently, I ran into you at the um, Health Conscious Expo. And... Um, and then, and then we got together, and I, I never really knew before then that you did healing work that much. And, and so I want to welcome you and your work to Acadiana. Thank you And very the area. Much. You know, you. And, and we don't know where we're going to go. We really don't. We really don't. <laughs> we don't know from one minute to the next, do we? No, we really don't. But we just know that we're here and we can serve. When the opportunity comes, we do. And if it doesn't, we just be in between, huh? I mean, 
So do you have any vision of what your practice might look like here? Because you're coming here, I don't know how, why you came or whatever, but you came here now to serve as a healer in whatever capacity. So do you know what, what that would look like for you? I wish I could say yes to that. <laughs> oh, I don't know either. <laughs> I, I, I do and I don't. I mean, I, get, I have a picture in my head. But I, I, what I'm trying to do is stay open mm-hmm. to really what it's supposed to be. Exactly. You know, I want to serve. I want to build community um, in whatever way I'm, I'm needed. Okay, I'm going to ask. That, if that makes sense. Perfect you know? sense. Perfect sense. I don't want to be attached to. Okay. Then I have to ask you this question. It sounds strange, but, but, but listen before you answer. How can you build community in a community that you're not a part of? Be present. Yeah. Yeah, because, because there's something about not being from here that makes you almost be fit in better because if you're from here, you know everybody's, well, they probably think this, and, they, and you don't have any preconceived ideas. And you don't have to try, you have no idea how much I try to explain when I don't have to explain. But I don't know I don't have to, but now I know I have to not explain as much. So y- y- there is a gift in you becoming a part of this community without, like, growing up like Al and I. Like, well, like we belong to this tribe. A- and, and it's hard to serve your own family. So often it's harder to serve your own family than strangers. Doctors don't operate on their close, close mm-hmm. friends and family. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. So you bring a, a freshness and a grace of meeting us today as who we are rather than, well, I know that lady from a long time ago. and hmm, Which you get when you, if you're in, in community the, the and community, you know people. Right. right. And, I, and I served mine. I completed mine. You know, in, in Maine, I, right. um, you know, we share, I shared with you this before that, uh, you know, my mother, father, and brother have all passed away, and I'm, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really an orphan except for my son. So that's why I needed to be there for the 17 years. I didn't understand why I couldn't just, I wanted to up and move. And I kept hearing a voice say, no, it's not time. No, it's not time. And I was getting impatient. But now I realize, you know, my my work was to 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 be present for my the completion of my own family. Wow. You know, and to transition my own family, you know, and see that to completion. Yeah. And as soon as that was completed, I then heard it's time to go now. Wow. It's time to go now. Wow. Put my house on the market, my house sold in 24 hours, drove down here, found a house. And here I am. Wow. Do you find, I'm going to say I find, my mother died in 2005. She died during uh, the Friday before Katrina. That was a big time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And with the death of mom, I began to see people not through her eyes there was like a curtain that was lifted. And so um, there's something about death, although it's difficult to experience with people you love, that's very freeing. And then some kind of way, 
that person helps you more from where they are than when they were still here. So, so you may have waited until the completion of, of till your family left. But I think it was not just a completion, but it was a, a getting a, a spiritual support group so that you could serve here in a greater capacity, huh? And I could be free. Yeah. I really am completely, completely free of that particular, you know, first 40 plus years, wow. you know, of my life. And that, that besides my son, you know, being there, that I can start fresh mm-hmm. here. There's nothing like looking back. Exactly. If that makes sense. It's, no, it makes total it's a sense. fresh, it might be even a new book. How, and how do I want to write it? What do I want to create? Exactly. And that's why when you say to me, what does it look like? I really don't know. I'm wide open for how it shows up. Yeah. And Into whether and I say yes to what I say yes to, yes, that works or no, that doesn't really work. Wow. So how do you incorporate death in your practice? It's, it's my belief that death is the ultimate healing. But then, you know, <laughs> uh, not everybody gets well. Right. And, and then how do you walk with someone to death and how do you help people who don't feel that death is the ultimate healing, especially because they're probably going to see theirs before, before the person who's helping them. How do you see that or whatever? I don't know. How would you like to address that? Well, what I, what I learned, uh-huh. there's a lot of what I learned. I learned a lot. Because you had a lot of death. A lot of death and a lot of experience. And plus I was the, not only was the witness, but I also was the facilitator. I mean, I helped my father cross. I helped my mother cross. I helped my brother cross. Right. So I not only was, was watching in my family pass, but I also was facilitating and being the, the conduit for them. Right. right? So that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I wrote about this earlier, earlier today, that for a long time I, I, I had this, this thought that everybody, everybody can heal, and everybody can heal, but I've come to know that I believe death is healing. The ultimate healing, I do. So, yeah. so if somebody, if they're, if they're ready to go, and they supposedly they died of whatever label they died from, doesn't mean they didn't heal. Exactly. It means they were finished. And I, I make an effort because people ask me that or have over the years. There's a difference between healing and curing. You can die healed and never be cured of whatever it is that you have. I agree with that. You know, because as a, as, as a woman who had cancer a couple of times and I work with other people who have cancer and I work with them, it doesn't mean their cancer is going to leave them and but it, but it but they will receive whatever it is they need and maybe it's a peace and maybe it's an understanding that they can do certain things before they leave or maybe it's preparation for them to leave or preparation for the family they're leaving mm-hmm. i don't have to know or see in that actual knowing but in the big knowing with the capital k i know and i can't fail as a healer 
I serve. And what happens after that is not my business. No, it isn't. Because we're just the facilitator exactly. of their process. Exactly. And for their greater peace. And like you said, we don't know what that is. That's between them and and creator or God. Exactly. Isn't it? Did you employ hospice? Did you? Yes. Yeah. My, I mean, my mom died in, in the emergency room. So, no. I mean, but for I, was, some. I was there. Uh, my, my brother had hospice. Right. So that's a whole... That's a whole, I don't know how and what we can do. Um, when someone tells me they want to do healing work, I, I tell them they should become a hospice volunteer so that there's no zealousness about curing or healing the world, that you learn how to sit with someone in the process of them leaving. It's a gift. It's such a it's gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's, it's very, very challenging, isn't it? Ah. But all I can say is that it was a huge gift for me and in my own healing of myself exactly. and, and what I can bring forward to f- help facilitate other people from this point on. And don't you think that because you face that with these people and in some ways with yourself, I know I, I've had... Um, Cancer was not the only life-threatening illness I had. You know, um, I grew up with mental illness, and a lot of people die from suicide, and we don't think of that as a terminal illness, but it can be. And I had legionnaires, which kills a lot of people, but I didn't die. And so whenever you face your own death, whether it's physically your own or you're walking with someone you love, you're not as afraid. How how does that how did what kind of fear have you left behind uh, doing that work, and then when you're not as afraid to die, then you're not afraid to live. There's a direct relationship there. I I, I believe what I a lot of what I gained out of that experience, as well as my own healing work of myself, is a lot of faith. Right. And in, in the knowing that what is meant to be will be. Yeah. And, it, and if the fear comes up, to address it, to face it head on. Exactly. And not push it under the, under the carpet. And the know? faith is that everything is going to be all right, even if you don't know how. And even if it's not according to a specific way you thought or were taught. So when your own personal faith is challenged... On it's every okay. level. It's bigger than that anyway. So so you can continue the faith. Yeah. Wow. Because I've had my moments, too. Well, yeah, we know. Human. I've had my moments, a few <laughs> of them, where I'm like, you know, I'm just all done. I don't want to do this anymore. But I'm here. Yeah. I see. <laughs> I see you, too. I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you. <Jeez>. Thank you. <laughs> So um, so then that brings us to, well, I don't know where it brings us, but I want to talk about birth. Have you ever been present at a birth no. of a child? Just my own child. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know how present I was for it, but exactly. no, I have not. Because I was told this, and I believe it, I have a sense of it, that when we were born, because we just come from God or the universe or love or whatever your perspective is from the creator, then we have a lot of God with us that uh, the longer we live, the more closed off we become to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Then when in the process of dying, we also have a lot more God with us because we're leaving behind the earthly. So the whole, you know, the whole birth and, and death things are, are part of big connections to God for those who, who facilitate that. Do you feel that or does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I witnessed that. Right. You know, being present for... You know, more my, I think more my dad, my brother too, but more my dad. Right. You know, just because it took him longer. You know, uh-huh. his process was a, was a month. Right. So I, I, I got to be present for how it was for him. And I actually, a client of mine had given me at the time a, a book written by hospice nurses. Wow. So I was reading, reading this book at the same time and it was, it was, it was really awesome in the wor- in the real way of awesome because he would wait for for he and I just to be alone. Or mm-hmm. spirit would wait. Mm-hmm. Nobody's in the room except he and I. And then and then he would say things. Things would come out. And and what had ended up happening was there was there was one time, you know, he was in bed and he looked just he was asleep. Sat up in bed sat up in bed and said, they just said it will be on the, um, the two and the four. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, what are you talking about? He said, they said it's going to be on the two and the four. I'm like, okay, all right. He was a big football fan, so I thought, is it football? Is it football Sunday? I mean, right. well, he died on the 24th of October. And, it, and, 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 and I thought it would be September because it was in September when this happened. I'm like, he's not going to live another month. It was the twenty fourth. Wow! I know. So, so being present, I was told. I was told, and I listened to when he was gonna. When he was gonna, he knew when he was gonna go. Right, and I often I, I share with people who are who are taking care of of, of one who is ill. It's harder on. It's harder to watch because they have a knowing, like your dad knew. He okay. did. And they can have this internal understanding because their own relationship with God is going to take care of them in some ways we can't. And we would like to alleviate all that we see, and you know, we can't do that either. So if we can somehow start to trust that God is taking care of them in ways we can't, it makes us be able to just witness more easily. Right, because what it happens is in our society, too, I mean— in, in the American culture, death is just really not talked about no. as it is in other cultures. Exactly. Right? So we're so uncomfortable with it. Because it's perceived as a failure. And we're taught to, to, to grieve and to suffer. And you it know, can be joyful. <laughs> it can be it can be joy it can be joyful and it can be miraculous to to watch. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're stuck and you're all on your own pain around it, you can't. You're you're missing that. You're missing those. You're signs. missing the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in hospice is something that was a long time in coming, and 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 it was part of the process of 
helping to educate. And at the hospital where I had my surgeries, they had something called a comfort care team, which was pre-hospice. I don't know how we educate people in the medical community. You know, because the curriculums are there, and and they're... We, we need a lot of education in a whole lot of service areas, but, like, we want to help and we want to heal and we want to cure as much as we can. But is I took death and dying as a sociology course at the university. Did they teach death and dying to doctors? I mean, I don't know. That, I, I have no idea. You know, and... and and can we include some of what we know in medical school curriculums, like a sociology class, an anthropology class, uh, an intercultural class? How do they deal with death and dying in other cultures? Like how do the Buddhist people mm-hmm. view that mm-hmm. and the Hindu people and how do Native Americans? Because everybody is not Christian or American. And how do we view that without fear? And I don't know. It's just a thought, but and, and I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a great question, uh, and and I think it's a question that really needs to be addressed and talked about more in a bigger way. Well, I was invited to 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 talk at the pharmacy museum in New Orleans with a um, a woman who was I forgot what she studied, but she did some um, sociology. I really don't know, but she was at a, at a at a college in New Orleans, and and this there was a doctor who was he he had the pain clinic at LSU, and then myself, and I'm like, what? I mean, really? And we were talking about pain, and a lot of things came up, and you know, and it, it was well, it was really a moment of education for people who heard. And everything the doctor said and everything I said, we personally agreed with everything. There wasn't any conflict. And and I think sometimes just on some sort of creative level or this, like, whatever this is creative, we're just sharing conversation without threatening, and we talk about Al was a healer, and we talk about the Basin Brothers, and then we can just educate in the realm of possibilities rather than I'm not trying to say you have to believe this or I know this because I don't, I don't know too much. But I know enough to share, you know, to really share. And I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm very grateful that and very thankful. It's a good time of year to be thankful that, that you came and could share everything you shared because it just, you know, it allowed other people to hear us have a conversation about what ifs. And Thank I, you so much. That's a good thing. But, I, you know, if. I think that it's where the what ifs, the what ifs, you know, I, I think the space the space between the spaces is where the miracles happen. Exactly. It's 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 if we just allow that to you know, that ebb and flow and not be so conditioned to what something has to be or what it has to look like. Exactly. Then we allow God, we allow spirit, source, creator to influence our lives and give us pos- give us the opportunities. Right. Yeah, because we grow 
and we, we our growth is expanding and contracting and expanding and contracting and the only thing we know is that change is coming and if it's good it's going to get bad and if it's bad it's going to get good so we don't have to be all kind of like stuck on any of it and it's impermanent it's so everything and when you when you have witnessed and helped to facilitate someone's journey to their own death then all that becomes such a reality that life is kind of a hell of a lot more fun. <laughs> well, and like my father used to say, it's all relative. Everything is relative. It's how we decide to look at it. Right, right. How do we want to look at it? We can look at the good and the bad, but how do we really want to look at it? Right. How do we want to see it? How do we want to choose to see things as an opportunity or a roadblock? And, and you know, we're so, like, mental. We want to understand well, but we really can't. But that's all in our heads. What about our hearts? Exactly. We get down into our heart, it's, in the field of our heart. That's where source is. It's bigger than the brain. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So um, I just want, you know, this is the week of, uh, like Thanksgiving is going to be here soon. So we just want to say thank you again and and. And I have gratitude for this day and gratitude for all the food I'm going to eat. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thank Becca, you, for having me. Thank you for listening to Le Cadeau Podcast. I'm your host, Becca Begno. Matt Roberts produced the show. Thanks to AOC Community Media for the use of their facilities. For information about AOC, you can visit aocinc.org. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup.